This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Sometimes I think when I get up in the morning and I go to the bathroom and I look in the mirror, you know, one of my eyeballs is going to fall. You have no idea what's going to happen every day when you wake up after a certain age. But again, you know, if you feel self-compassion, it's going to be a lot easier. Hey guys, thanks for listening. This is U-Turns, the podcast about change, all kinds of change, external and internal change, because shift happens. I am Lisa Oz. And I'm Jill Herzig. And today we are actually going to talk about uh, aging. Self-image. Let's <laughs> let's put a nicer uh, term oh, no. on it. How do you make it nice? I mean, there's really, is there, is there like a... All right, screw it. Let's just talk about aging. <laughs> let's do it. Um, we're here with Val Monroe. Hi, guys. A longtime friend. So excited. Val's an expert in beauty culture. For years and years, she was the editor, the beauty director at O, the Oprah magazine, and a very different kind of beauty director, I have to say. I come from magazines, so I know all kinds of beauty directors, um, and she was the fabulous exception to the general mm. rule. Um, millions of people read her, followed her Ask Val column. I was one of them. Um, and just so thrilled to have Thank you, you with Thank us. Thank you. It's yeah. a pleasure to be here, and congratulations, guys. Thank you. <laughs> we're excited. <laughs> yes, we're, we're just kind of plunked in the middle of our U-turn <laughs> and are. talking about it. We, are, we were intimidated by you coming that we put makeup on today. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. You're both so beautiful. I keep saying that to all these women, you know, who always say, oh, I, I was afraid, you know, to meet you or afraid to see you because I thought you'd be critical of the way I look, and I got that a lot when I was an active beauty director, and I was always saying, you know, just, like, be yourself with me, please, you know? But That's not when of, they came to the Hearst building, because I was just, just going to—Jill and I were talking about this. When you work in publishing, 
you can't even sh- go through the door. They will turn you away at the door <laughs> if you don't come with your perfect hair and your yeah, perfect nails yeah. and your high heels. And there was something about working in publishing that actually made me a little crazy. I mean, I used to say to people when they ran into me on the street, and I could instantly see that adjustment in their face when uh-huh. I was in my work mode. Uh-huh. You know, it's kind of like what you're talking about. Uh-huh. I just wanted to say this is just a costume. Um, conversely, like I would walk by people on the weekends who I worked with and saw regularly, and they would not recognize me at all. Mm. <laughs> I could virtually wave at them, and they'd just mm. be like, who's that crazy lady with the bags mm-hmm. under her eyes? I don't know that one. <laughs> really. I mean, it just, yeah. It, so it really, it really was this costume. And um, it, I can't say that that was, you know, I didn't enjoy the dress-up part of it the way I think some people do, and I especially didn't enjoy the fact that it put some people on edge and made them assume that I was holding them to some kind of standard, mm-hmm. which I was not. Mm-hmm. So that's very hard to get around, I think, because it's not you holding them to that standard, but it's themselves. So, and to the point of, you know, what you feel like when you walk into, for example, the Hearst Building, or I, I actually have worked at Condé Nast, too, and I think it's it was worse yeah. at Condé Nast. Yeah. The elevator at, at Condé Nast oh, was, was really a difficult. brutal, brutal place. You had to survive that every morning like before you even started. Carnivorous beasts. Just oh my apart. God! Just the you know we used to call it elevator eyes, which is just the up and down. Right. Both because right. the eyes go up and down, and because it happened so often in the elevator, and right. just made you feel, you know, I don't know, three inches tall and three feet wide, and you know, just not good. That's such a shame because I think when that happens, it's likely unconscious on the up and down person's part. Um, a friend of mine at the, a colleague of mine at the magazine once pointed out to me that I did that. I was completely unaware of it, <laughs> and I'm sure I was making some kind of judgment, but I wasn't conscious of it. Right. So, um, do you think you were just trying to take somebody in, in some way? But I don't think that's really an excuse. In a way, <laughs> I was taking when I was doing it with a woman, I was taking her in in many ways. You know, as as a competitor, probably is uh, judging her on her. Even her class, you know, mm-hmm. those kinds of distinctions that I think we make unconsciously. It's hard but to turn that off. It's very hard to turn that off, especially when you're in a, in a community or a context where it's almost expected of you. And, you know, as I said earlier, you know, when you walk into, say, the Hearst Building or Condé Nast Building, that, that um, uh, judgment is largely self-imposed because you honestly don't know what other people are thinking of you, even when they're looking you up and down the elevator um, I think the key to getting past that is to um, encourage compassion for yourself up to a point where it won't matter anymore. And, I, you know, I say that kind of blithely, but it's it's hard to do, but it's possible to do. Yeah. So that's it's self-compassion you're talking about, which it is, is yeah. something that, that's coming up for us in conversations Good. around you know, change. Part of it is, too, I notice... Just a trick I do when I'm feeling incredibly judged, like in an elevator where it's the up and down. If you just smile at that person, mm. it breaks the tension and then it gets them out of their head of whatever they're thinking mm-hmm. about you. And they don't want to think those things about you. And they suddenly like have a connection with you. Yeah. And you're both then you're both getting out of your own heads and into a relationship. That just helps me a lot. Yeah. So that yeah. actually, I think, is one of the main key components of self-compassion, but but what I suggest is not, is that you not only do it with other people, but that you do it with yourself. Because one of the things that I feel so passionate about is the way we look at ourselves when we look in the mirror. 
because we're taught from the time we're basically infants that when we look at our reflection, we objectify ourselves. And if you think about self-objectification, what that is, is you're looking at your image through the eyes of someone else you believe is judging you. It's a third person, basically, or a second mm. person, right? Lots of people in the room when you're standing there in the bathroom there are. <laughs> in front of a mirror. <laughs> there are, and that's, yeah. that's often why women feel that a mirror is not their friend. And if you can learn to look at yourself in a way that, um, that decreases, at least, decreases the self-objectification, you'll see that your feelings about yourself are really, really different. So... I wrote a, a little piece about this when I was at the magazine because somebody had sent me um, a photo of me look uh, with, um, I was at a party and I was face-to-face in conversation with that gorgeous creature, uh, Mrs. David Bowie. <laughs> Iman. Iman, right? And as I looked at the picture, as I described it, you know, I, I felt as if I had just opened a bouquet to discover that the flowers were like a day old. Mm. And she looked to me like an outrageously beautiful orchid, hothouse orchid, you know, in full bloom. And I looked like a parking lot daisy, you know, at the end of the day. So I went over to the mirror in my office, and I looked into my own eyes for a little bit. And I kept looking until I actually saw myself. And then I said, Mm. hi, sweetie. And all of that judgment and objectification went away. So when I was talking, when I would talk to groups of people about this experience— it wasn't very helpful, I don't think, in a way, because it was all about my own experience. I had no way of helping them do it for themselves. It's a very hard thing to do if you've ever tried looking into a mirror, into your own eyes for any length of time. Yeah, It's difficult. And then I discovered um, this teacher at Barnard, her name is Tara Well, who has done studies on what she calls mirror meditation. Huh. And she encourages her subjects to look at themselves in the way that I did and then has tracked how they feel about themselves. She tracks their self-esteem. She tracks their uh, objectification. Does she have them speak to themselves the, the way you, you don't do? have to say anything. Yeah. No, you just have to, you have to be able to confront the feelings, whatever feelings come up when you look at yourself. That's something that I wrote about when I wrote this piece. And I was almost embarrassed to write about what I felt because, it, because it's so intimate. Yeah. Um, but if you, can, if you can actually sit there and do that... And in a way, um, you're befriending yourself in the way, Lisa, you just spoke about trying to befriend befriend someone in an elevator. You know, your your whole experience about who you are as you present yourself to the world shifts Mm -hmm. in Hmm. a way that's very, I I don't like to use this word, but it's very empowering. Yeah, I, okay, so (laughs) when I was a kid, we used to go in a closet with a mirror and the lights turned off and I have to stare in it. So I'm still a little nervous about doing that. Was, <laughs> remember that game? It was Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody no. Mary, Bloody Mary. You never played this game? No. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> too much staring into the mirror. Is it possible your family made it up? No, no. It was our whole town. <laughs> it was a scary game. And only Lisa played. Yeah. No, no, no. I didn't. I wouldn't play. I don't know. We just scary. did garden variety Ouija board. <laughs> that right. was you guys right. creative. But the mirror isn't the place that bothers me so much. I'm okay with it because you can always adjust, whatever. And that's, it's, I recognize myself in the mirror less and less as I get older, but it's still me. Where I don't recognize myself is in my cell phone. That is so much harder to look at. Like Mm -hmm. when I'm on Skype with, you know, if you talk to someone on, 
I don't even know who that person is. I, I don't want to talk to them because then I have to have a little image of me coming up when I'm Skyping them. That I hate. Mm-hmm. And I can't, staring into those eyes aren't gonna, isn't mm-hmm. going to help me at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why anyone would want, would want to look at like a terrible photo of themselves because that's what that is. I mean, it's <laughs> yes. just like, it is. you know, so don't look. I mean, you know, that reminds me of what I said to some of my friends when they would say, you know, like, oh, I hate my neck, or I hate my chin, or I hate my eyes, I would just say, well, look at something else, you know, go to the museum and look at a Van Gogh, you know. Right. I mean, that works up to a point, because if 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 a body part is making you feel really uncomfortable, and I say, you know, like, just do whatever you want, right. do whatever you can to make yourself feel better about it, but I always encourage one to do the, the self you know, the, the de-objectification first, because whatever you do after that is going to feel a lot better, no yeah. matter what you choose. I uh, I once wrote a line. We had something when I was a editor at Glamour magazine, which was called the It's Okay list, which is exactly what it sounds like, a whole list of things that really are just freaking okay. Don't worry about mm-hmm. it. And I remember, I think maybe the best contribution I ever made was only believe the skinny mirrors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's my that's my word of wisdom to you, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Don't believe your phone. It's the it's like the equivalent of a fat mirror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it is. I mean, the selfie, the selfie obsession is. I just don't get it. Never I trust. I think if the I were selfie. twenty, maybe I could get this. It's into terrible. A it's terrible for everyone. It's terrible for twenty year olds because what you see is not real, and it's presented as what is real. And so we yeah. look at these images and we think, oh my god, she looks so much better. Than I do when we don't know what she actually looks like. I mean, there. Um, I keep thinking of that of the um, of Jane Fonda at the was it the Oscars this year when she looked like a Barbie doll? Yeah, right. So, so um, I say more power to her. She, <laughs> she was having fun. You know, she looked. I mean, the the choice of that particular image I found somewhat jarring because I do think she's a feminist, but, um, but. But the problem with it is that I think so many women look at that and think, God, she's 80. How did she? How does she look like that? Well, I've seen her in person. She doesn't look like that. That's a costume, as you were saying, Jill, earlier, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's a costume, and it's a very sophisticated one because it's not, you know, she doesn't put that together. She's got experts putting that together for her. And so what we're presented with on television, yeah. you know, with selfies, we're presented with all these images that aren't, that don't really reflect what, People look like so. There's this other reality that we're now comparing ourselves to. Even younger women who are asking more and more for procedures because they think that's what they should look like, and it's not. It's not possible. Yeah, we will come back to this after the break. Okay. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all, even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Before the break, we were talking about, well, Jane Fonda, for one, and her beautiful but produced appearance. Um, I want to shift gears a tiny bit and talk about identity, right? And, and, and how when we feel like our appearance is a big part of who we are, and then that changes, um, how, how do we grow into that evolving sense of self, with great difficulty, I have to say. <laughs> so I, um, I'm going to go back to, you know, uh, um, at the risk of sounding like a one-note song, I'm going to go back to self-compassion because, um, you know, as we get older, things start to get loose and fall off. And, you know, <laughs> we have to deal Take with them. them back on. <laughs> we can do that if we, if we have the means to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I actually, you know— I, sometimes I think when I get up in the morning and I go to the bathroom, one of my, and I look in the mirror, you know, one of my eyeballs is going to fall. Let's think. I just, you have no idea what's going to happen every day when you wake up after a certain age. But, but, um, but again, you know, if you feel self-compassion, it's going to be a lot easier. So um, I was thinking about um, my 93-year-old mother who is, she lives on her own. You know, she's very independent, um, but I'm watching her as she's, dealing with all these, you know, kind of one loss after another with her friends, you know, or with her physical attributes. And um, and what what is, um, you know, supporting her through this is her ability, her resilience comes from self-compassion, basically. It's about, hmm. you know, feeling good about herself in spite of all of the things that 
that are happening to her. And I think the older you get, the more and the more lost there is, you know, there's a feeling, at least I've experienced this, of the potentially feeling betrayed by my body, you know, mm-hmm. that I've I've relied on for my identity because fortunately, you know, I have gotten good feedback about it. And suddenly either there's no feedback or there's feedback I don't like or I'm searching for feedback that, you know, isn't forthcoming. And um and if I can um instead of feeling betrayed or feel you know, this profound sense of loss alone only if instead I can feel towards myself the way I would feel towards my maybe six-year-old self if I felt this disappointment and sadness, which is to say, you know, you put your hand over your heart as you would for a a child or you, you hold your face the way you would hold a child's face and you just say, you know, I'm sorry, it's okay, you're going to be okay. Yeah. I, you know, as I say it, it sounds so woo-woo and so cliched, but it actually, it actually <laughs> works. Favorite I word. know. I'm, I am the least woo-woo person. There are many, there are many mm-hmm. moments when I think, huh, this U-turn would be easier if I was more invested mm-hmm. in the woo-woo. Mm-hmm. But I am not. I am deeply mm-hmm. practical shoes person, mm-hmm. as everybody mm-hmm. knows. Well, you know, self-compassion is very practical. Yeah. No, I mean, it, 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 it sounds like something I should kind of take out and dust off every day. (laughs) Is the opposite of that, though? I mean, taking that to an extreme, just throwing in the towel, like wearing sweatpants, which I I literally have done many times in my life, where it's like ponytail, sweatpants, no makeup, I don't care, eat the the gallon of ice cream and just say, screw it, you know, judge me as you will. So um, I love that idea as long as you don't hate yourself for it. (laughs) Because that's the opposite. Yeah. I mean, that's the. I mean, if you if you can do that, as some women can, and just say the hell with it. I mean, there's a certain that some women age, you know, in, into a moo moo and rubber sole shoes and their you know W N E T tote bags, and they're perfectly happy with that. And <laughs> you know, whatever, that's great. Um, in fact, I love to see. There's a certain kind of um, uh, woman in her maybe seventies, mid seventies who you often see on the streets in New York, and she's got, she's often, you know, kind of short, and she's kind of heavy, and she's usually big-bosomed, and she's wearing, you know, very comfortable shoes. She's got her practical, her backpack or whatever, short hair, no makeup, and she looks very comfortable with herself. She Hustling along, yeah. doing that New Yorker lady yeah, walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of admire that. I'm yeah. not there, personally. Yeah. But... But that's her choice, you know. If you can make that choice and not feel like you're, for some reason, Lisa, giving up. <laughs> but the um, thing, the thing with you, Lisa, is that you you hit every mark on the continuum. So I love that. You know, I remember once we had a shoot at your house for the Doctor Oz magazine, and you had a terrible cold, and you came downstairs, and there were oh my god, we had totally taken over your house. It was horrible what we did to you. <laughs> And you came downstairs, and you were in exactly the mode you're talking about. You'd barely slept. You were in sweats. Your hair was in a ponytail. You're like, oh, hi, everybody. You couldn't have been nicer, oh. but you were clearly suffering. And what I loved was that you were, you were not going to, like, I don't know, do a little something-something. <laughs> it would have you been were, futile. It, well, hmm. but it also just, you just didn't care in that moment. And yet, I have also seen you as, you, you are... Possibly the best non-professional makeup artist that I know. I have seen you head to toe glam, and I've seen you every kind of every place in between, which I think is 
kind of amazing. Whereas what I was saying before is like, I kind of only have a couple modes. Uh, my shift, my gear shift either sticks here <laughs> or it sticks all the way down here. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's kind of interesting. Like as I've gone through this shift and this identity change, one of the things I have not been able to do is figure out whether all those editor-in-chief clothes should just be taken to the consignment store. No, mm-hmm. they look so good on you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, thank you so much. Haven't worn them. Mm-hmm. Don't. You can wear them here to the podcast. Mm-hmm. I am wearing strange polka dot pants today, <laughs> which come from the editor-in-chief wardrobe. But basically, you know, one thing I wonder about is, you know, if I want to accelerate change, do I need to shift all of that stuff out of my, out of my, at least out of my sight lines? So you it know? completely depends on what kind of change you want to shift to. Yeah. Because it's all about what you feel comfortable, I think. Yeah. You know, if you feel comfortable with those clothes, fantastic. Wear them. I mean, I, I kind well, if of, I felt super comfortable in them, I would wear them to the grocery store. And uh-huh. I'm not doing that. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I mean, I, literally, some of them I have to, be, I have to dust. Uh-huh. <laughs> the yeah. shoes need dusting. Well, and heels are a whole other Oh, my God. I mean, I feel story. like I should take out a hot glue gun and just make some kind of a sculpture for my backyard out of these shoes. Well, that's an interesting idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or you might I'll, sell I'll them send you on a eBay picture. because they're probably yes. very Yeah, they're nice shoes. Right. <laughs> or find someone who's a size 7. Or you so, a size 7 belt. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, is, is do we only look nice for other people? Do we yeah. never... Well, that's, that's where self-objectification comes in. I mean, if you, if you look in the mirror and you love the way your face looks without any makeup, I mean, if you, if you can look at yourself in the morning when you first get up and say, hi, sweetie, to your face and not feel like, Jesus Christ, you know, like what happened overnight, um, I think, you know, you're going to be a much happier person. I, I don't think it's easy to do, but... Um, I actually had an experience recently with a friend who's a psychiatrist who was complaining about her own uh, feelings about the way she looks as she's getting older, you know. And um, and I said, geez, you know, I, I don't have that right now. I mean, I look, I have great lighting in my bathroom. I just spent <laughs> a lot of time, Treat seriously, to a good lot lighting. of time yes. figuring out. I did a lot of research about what bulbs to get. Yeah, and, that's self-compassion know, right there. I, it is. Yeah. It is. Anyway, so um, I said, I, I actually don't feel that right now. And I... Um, I don't. Th- I think I look my age, and I look in the mirror, and and I'm I'm fine with it. And she looked at me, and she said, "Well, of course, you're in denial." And I was like, "Oh, oh wow!" And, but she's right. She's mm. right. I don't see myself the way other people see me. I see myself the way I see me, and I like the way I see me. Now, if you guys said to me, "A little bit," how dare she for? Messing with that. Oh no yeah. no 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 no! I, it's not messing. Oh you can't no, mess not with at it. all. Not okay. at all. No, I mean she's. I I trust her. Anyway. Yeah. Um. But but uh, my point is that you know n- there's kind of nothing that people could say to me that would shift my self compassion. I think in a way that that you know was real for me. Mm-hmm. Unless you guys said to me now, Jesus, Val, are you, how old are you? Like 95? No. <laughs> you look incredible. And actually, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was the fact that, you know, particularly through all those years where you were the O-Beauty director. And the oldest. <laughs> really? The oldest. Yeah, until one, uh, uh, one retired, and then I became, then I was older, like by 15 or 20 years than everyone else. And maybe that's what made you the best. 
Oh, I think it no. made me the what most made you the best is, What made you maybe the best is that you had never been a beauty director mm-hmm. before you got to O. Mm-hmm. So I was discovering, along with our readers, I was discovering, you know, everything that I needed to learn as a beauty editor. Yeah. Um, and you kind of never lost your feminist take as well on beauty. I felt like, I felt like that was there. I- irony right there, isn't it? The the feminist beauty editor? Um, uh, no, I, I, I didn't think so because I was. Um, I, I actually um, was in a, a very particularly protected position working for the Oprah magazine because when I was there for the, for the large part of the time I was there from, say, 2001 to 2010, 2008, 2010, um, when Oprah's show was still on the air and she, um, basically, she was the goose that laid the golden egg, um, I could do anything I wanted, basically, as the beauty. I I really wasn't tied to uh, pleasing uh, the advertisers in a way that all other beauty editors were. So you could say, don't use an eye cream. Well, (laughs) I did. I know. Actually, I did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, um, and you know, when some advertisers would talk to me when I knew that it was just BS, I actually, at one point in front of my publisher, one day put my hands over my ears and went, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was a scamp. Yeah. Because I could be because I was protected. Yeah. That all changed. And you, you were actually under marching orders to rebel against anything that didn't That's feel right, right That's to you. That's right. And, um, and the authenticity of the beauty pages in the magazine were a reflection of Oprah's authenticity. Yeah. Um, and the authenticity of the magazine in general. Yeah. And we were very proud of that. There were these beautiful makeovers. I remember them Mm -hmm. through that stage where, you know, the woman's story um, Mm -hmm. and what she'd been going through was a Mm -hmm. big part of it. It Mm -hmm. seemed like you almost never did a straight-up makeover. Here she doesn't look good, but here she does. Um, Totally different before-after approach. So, and those were so much fun to do. Mm -hmm. And, And behind the scenes, what you didn't know was that I always took the woman by the hand and said, we're going to do something for you that you will be able to continue to do after you leave the studio. And then mm-hmm. I always spoke to the, the hairstylist or the makeup artist to say, you know, do whatever you need to do for the photograph, but please make sure that she leaves with an idea of what she can do on her own and a couple of products so mm-hmm. that she can... Yeah, so that she can continue to do. And did you did you ask them to keep it simple enough that it was something you could actually do every day without making yourself nuts? That was part of the right. That was part of the point. Yeah. Um, because what you do for a photograph is just like oh, ridiculously <laughs> complicated. Yeah. Yes. And you know, we we considered doing a um, a couple of recidivism stories, you know, to see like what happened mm-hmm. to the women like ten years <laughs> later. Um, but it didn't really work because it's not practical. You know, yeah. to go back to somebody 10 years later and say... Well, it could be all kinds of things that exactly, are... Exactly, exactly right. ...that are I, causing recidivism. Yeah, this is true. There's something just about it being Oprah's magazine also and her being on the cover every month because she's not a model. She's not Tyra, but she looks amazing. And so the message that you're telling people is you may not be a model, but you can feel great about the way you look and you can put your best self forward, which is... A, Oprah's thing, right, was always being your best self. Live your best life, yeah. Yeah. I was on a panel not too long ago with a a young woman who was bragging about how her magazine, what was that word that everybody used, was was a great disruptor, right? (laughs) And I said, really? Because in 2001, the Oprah magazine started putting 
a slightly overweight black woman on its cover every month. Yeah. What do you think about that being disruptive? disruptive? Yeah. How's <laughs> right? that? So I think, um, you know, for, for many years, this, the, that magazine, her magazine, like her show and, and like her, um, did uh, a, had a tremendous effect on raising people's consciousness about the way they feel about themselves, about what their choices are, about um, who their um, uh, role models might be. Mm. Um, because just by v- the virtue of being who she is, she introduces a whole new role model for people who might not have thought that that was available to them. Yeah. A friend of mine actually worked as one of the casting people Oh, had a very different structure. And At they, the magazine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a freelancer, and she basically just walked the streets of New York yes, right. looking for unusual, fascinating-looking women. So one of the, one of the women we not used to— Not models, decidedly not right, models. Right, right, right. That's what we used to do. Um, one of the women who we used to—one of my favorite makeover stories, I found when I was biking, as I want to do, uh, uh, up and down the, um, the uh, bike path— on the, along the Hudson, and I I stopped at one of the piers, and I saw this woman climbing out of the water oh on a God. pier. <laughs> and I was looking, and I was like, oh, my God, she yep. is so gorgeous. What? And the way I described her was, you know, she... she so she had actually been swimming. She had been swimming in the water. No, she was a mermaid. <laughs> she was emerging, like Venus to my right I'm just trying, you know, I am a New York... City person, child of the seventies, swimming in the Hudson. Okay, with a group, the with Hudson a group. was a very scary place oh. when oh. I was growing up, and it, it still, still is. is. Yeah. yeah. So she pulled herself out of the water, and I got off my bike, and I went over to her, and I, uh, the way I wrote about it was, you know, I noticed she had her hair was like wet, slicked back. She had what I thought was maybe eyeliner, or it could have been sludge. I wasn't sure. Oh, <laughs> her eyes, the right? Raccoon eyes. Right? Yeah. Um, That's a and I said, right? "What the heck?" You know. And it turned out she's she's like an EMT. She was training for something. The story we did, so we used her, and so I said, well, what's your, what are your, what's your beauty routine? And, you know, she spent like $35 a year. (laughs) But she was stunning, stunning. How old was she? In her 30s. Mid-30s. Everybody's still pretty in their 30s. Well, um, she was beautiful. Yes, I I agree. I I also think everybody's still pretty in their 40s. In a different way. Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, we, we, made her over in a way that was very um, simple, and I cataloged her beauty routine. And then we compared her to another woman who spent, I think it was like $55,000 a year on products and procedures. And um, So it was really fun. Yeah. That was one of our most fun makeover stories. High maintenance versus super low maintenance. But to your point... Um, I found her climbing out of the river. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to get back to that question of self-care and how much is enough and how much is too much. We're going to break for one second. Okay. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. 
Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Before the break, we were talking about self-care and how much is too much. And I personally think part of the problem is societal in that when I was growing up, there was an entirely different expectation for what I would buy and do, whether it was my beauty routine or my fashion, from what my mother would buy or wear. Um, And now it seems like it's just so there was no competition between a 50-year-old woman or a 40-year-old woman and a 20-year-old. It was, you, you were like different, different universes, universes yeah. right? And now it's like everybody's in the same pool. You, there's, you know, you date people who are 20 years younger than you are. <laughs> Everybody wears Dolce & Gabbana, and we all use the same beauty stuff, even if my, my daughters, my, yeah. literally Daphne and I exchange moisturizers and yeah. toners and whatever. How old so, is she? Uh, 31. And Valis, you were saying, it kind of cuts both ways. So women in their 20s who have zero to worry about in the looks department are asking for procedures and paying top dollar for products because somehow they've gotten infected with worry about their looks. Mm-hmm. How did we How did we do that mm-hmm. to them? Mm-hmm. What did we mm-hmm. do? So I think, I think, you know, the selfie um, uh, generation, you know, has a lot to do with that. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think, I mean, framing aging in terms of worry and, um, and you know, um, despair is just so, it, it's so um, 
uh, sad, you know, and I, I know we do it because— We do it because we not we feel there's a perception that you're not valued— that's um, right. As That's an exactly older right. woman. Exactly right. And somebody yeah. said to me recently, you know, when she, she, I, I was at an event and I happened to be on my birthday and she's, and I told her that I'm 67 and she's like, oh my God, you know, 67. I'm like, all I want is to remain relevant. <laughs> I just want to feel relevant. And relevance is such an important word. And I think one of the ways we try to do that is through our appearance. Because what happens after a certain age is we feel like people stop seeing us. And yes. there's Jermaine nothing Greer stronger about that, than that. Feeling invisible. Right. And feeling visible is a way of feeling relevant. Yeah. But um, but if you feel relevant because you're, um, you know, you're doing relevant work or, I mean, you're doing some kind of service, I think that's... Very helpful. Val, you have a great new project, and I love the title more than anything. <laughs> Share it with us. I'm calling it How Not to Fuck Up Your Face. <laughs> and um, and it came to me because I have seen so many women who have done something, and I can't always tell what it is, um, that has basically fucked up their face. And it could be, you know, from too much uh, filler in their lips or their cheeks or their chin or... And we're not just talking about older women. We're talking about oh, every age. Oh, from 20 to yeah. 120. As um, soon as you have money, you have the power to fuck up your face. Well, <laughs> yes. And and even if you don't have money, because I just learned recently that there's something called... Oh, I can't remember the name of it. It's called CARE or something or other that, that plastic surgeon and dermatologist offices often offer that allow you to take a loan out... Mm to do stuff to your face. Now, the, the reason that I, that I um, think it's important for women to be thinking about how not to fuck up their face is that I've seen so many professionals, um, that is, plastic surgeons and dermatologists, who are basically very beautiful. And, and, you know, I'm not talking about all of them because many of them are my friends, but, but they've done too much of something. And I... I am extremely interested in what happens Because they to have our, all the tools at their disposal all the but time. But they also don't go into it wanting to look bad, right? So Absolutely you not. You can't like grab the hand of your dermatologist and say, What's That's going too on? too much. Yeah. Stop with the sculpture right. or whatever. Right. Or, you know, when you, um, as I happened recently, I was in a restaurant and a couple of women got up to leave the restaurant and as they were leaving... The restaurant went dead. You could hear the cutlery dropping on the plates. And they kind of like were swanning out of this mm-hmm. restaurant thinking they looked fantastic. And people were staring at them because they looked weird. Yeah. So that um, uh, distortion, whatever it is, that dysmorphia that we, that some of us are vulnerable to, to me is fascinating. We do it with and our bodies too now, we not do. just our faces, mm-hmm. yes. the giant like Brazilian but lifts, I guess, yeah. that are injectable. Well, you know where in that your... came from. Yes, I, I, <laughs> I think we all know. I, yeah. And then the giant breasts and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We've we're changing everything. Mm-hmm. So it's not just our faces anymore. And, and yeah. have you found for this project that there is there's kind of a a way to see more clearly and a way to control it mm-hmm. to to change something that, as you said earlier, is really really bothering you. So, but not too much. It's so complicated. Okay, that's why it's a whole big. Multimedia project, right? Yes, whatever that means. means. Well, I can't wait. So let me ask you about compliment culture because I feel like this is something that really pervades women's Mm. relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes I think it's really useful. But, you know, I do feel like we live in a culture where the first thing women say to one another is, oh my God, you look great. And there's a... um, 
And maybe it's just the the bubbles, the fizz that we need in our conversation. Maybe it's maybe it's a way to show compassion for others or encourage self-compassion. Maybe it runs deeper. But sometimes I also feel like, do we do we need to do this? Do we need to do this Japanese bowing contest mm-hmm. of you look great, no, you look great, you look great before we get started on the stuff we're really there for? So what I always say to people when I see them, and I I, I hope I said it to you when I just saw you this morning, is I'm so happy to see you mm-hmm. because that's what I want to communicate. I mean, if I don't feel that way, I won't say it. Yes, but and but I'm not going to say, oh my God, you look great as the first thing I say to someone. Yeah. It's always, you know, I, I want to tell them that. Well, it I'm, kind of goes back to what you're saying. We all, we all just want to be seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, does the most important thing. And I think yeah. Oprah is the is the person who said that. You know, first maybe publicly or in the biggest way, she said something like, "All anyone really wants is to have someone actually see them." Again, you know, that goes back to um, Tara Wells' mirror meditation or, Mm -hmm. you know, my experience of looking at myself in the mirror. If you can allow yourself to actually see yourself rather than to only objectify yourself in the mirror, it's going to feel very different when you look in the mirror. How often do you recommend doing that mirror meditation? Every day. Is that a daily thing? Every day. I mean, Hmm. you know, when you start doing it, um, it's going to feel really uncomfortable and you're not going to want to sit with it. Um, I don't. What I do, I don't call mirror meditation. Mm. I just look at myself until I can, until someone appears there, you know, till I can actually see myself. Um, but but I think it's a very healthy thing to do. Yeah, yeah. All right, mirror meditation for all. That's what I say. Um, our listeners, if you want to follow and connect with Val Monroe, um, follow her Instagram. It's fantastic. This is Val Monroe, um, and. I want to thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. My pleasure. And if you want to follow us, uh, go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at U-Turns Podcast, and let us know your stories. Do them at the mirror meditation, and let us know how it works for you. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, struggling to find restful sleep, or plagued by a restless inability to focus? It's time to break free from the chains of mental health challenges and discover a path to healthy living. Welcome to Amen University, founded by renowned psychiatrist and brain health expert, Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen, alongside a team of esteemed doctors and experts in their fields, understands the struggles you're facing and are here to offer solutions. From debilitating anxiety to sleepless nights filled with worry, our courses are meticulously crafted to target these specific challenges head on. Join us on a journey of transformation led by Dr. Amen and a roster of top-tier professionals. Say goodbye to the constant battle with your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code BRAIN10 and get 10% off. That's code BRAIN10 and get 10% off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters.